This episode of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast is brought to you in part by Studio Headphones. If you go to studio.com right now and um, upon checkout, use the promo code ROB15, you can get 15% off your headphones order. It's already affordable product and it's made that even more affordable. I didn't know what I was going to say there. If you use the promo code Rob15. So go to studio.com, get you a pair of the region headphones, get you some of the Visa Blah, the uh, Navidia. I'm probably horribly pronouncing these names, but that does not take away from the quality of this product. So once again, go to studio.com, browse it from their selection, and use that promo code Rob15 to get yourself 15% off. Now, you are now listening to Random Ramblings with Rob. To the R, O to the B, coming at you with the funny random rambling, talking about all the things that'll make that rain day sunny. Yeah, it's hot and popping, fireball dropping, come get your laugh on. Yeah, it's a concept, you know he be rocking, robbing the facts and all of the gossip. It don't matter where you are or who you with, you gotta tune right in. Bring your girl into your girl to bring your friends, be Robbie Lid. Tune in your crib and your whip at your job. He got new shows every Sunday. Here we go. What's up, everybody? This your boy B Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to thank you also very much for taking the time out of your day, out of your schedule, out of your whatever the hell it is that you were doing to put me in your ear holes, in your car speakers, um, your Bluetooth devices, um, your Apple Watch, your inferior Android device, if you have one of those, I'm sorry for you if you do. <laughs> um, and thank you, thank you. That's all I. That's all I can say about that. You got me derailed with the Android talk. But anyway, have a guest as per usual, and um, I'm going to introduce her as Valerie Complex. She is a screenwriter, a movie critic, and a armed service veteran which i can very much so appreciate because that's what i am myself who y'all who raw whatever you rep whatever you (laughs) click army navy marine corps coast guard (laughs) marines whatever whatever you rep but thank you for having me on uh much appreciated yeah um I, i stumbled across you um on twitter and um i don't even Honestly, I don't even remember the exchange because I'm always trying to move forward in life, and usually I I'm the same way. I'm I'm totally. That's yeah, yeah. Same way. I forget, so I forget a lot of shit because I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to do the next day, and so on and so forth. But now that I know that you are uh, armed service veteran, whatever, uh, specifically the Air Force, and whatever your slogan is, I don't know. Um, what is it? A fly, 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 fight, win? Or did they change it? I don't know. I think they may have changed it, but so far as I know, it's like fly, fight, win. I guess. Um, Last I remember was aim high, Air Force. Oh, that might be it. I don't, I don't remember because it changes so much. It changes just like the ABUs that we wear. I don't, I couldn't keep up even when I was in. know recently anyway i mean i remember them as a kid that's how i know the aim high air force thing but you see marines fighting lava monsters and stretching out across the countryside twirling rifles you see the army on tanks and having cookouts and all kind of crazy shit but i don't never recall seeing the air force commercial uh yeah you don't really see those you don't see um you don't see any Air Force movies either, like Transformers. Like, come on, people say, "Oh yeah, that's the Air Force," but that's not legit. Like, not like Top Gun or like, yeah. um, what's another like Full Metal Jacket? Mm-hmm. You don't see anything like that. Even that movie Stealth, that wasn't an Air Force movie. I think the closest we have to an Air Force movie is Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, and then Captain Marvel, which is coming out. Next year, those will be Air Force movies. Oh, 
how do you feel about that catalog? I mean, it looks good. Um, the actress is uh, not who I would have initially picked, but from the trailer, she kind of grew on me. And I kind of, I've been speaking to her a little bit. So I think she's going to do it justice. Okay. I mean, um, and even giving your opinions on the um, actor being suitable for that role and whatnot, that leads me to believe that you are into comic books, maybe? Uh, I've, I like to read comic books, but I'm not. I'm not a part of the fandom like like I like people would say like you know like most people are like they say oh you know this I love Batman or I love Superman or I love Captain America or whatever no I just read whatever books are good and you know I'm not really a part of the fandom heavy like that yeah, so cuz you're not going to be here and be like well this is a variation from uh, issue 37 of the novelty series of <laughs> Mega, whatever, whatever the color. Oh, no, that's not that's not me at all. But um, if you start talking about anime and Ghost in the Shell, I could break it down a little bit better. I'm still not a part of the fandom, but I got a little bit more knowledge there yeah. than with the comics. So, but I, I, I'm in the nerd spaces. I kind of float around. You know, see what's there. You're in that gray area, as you would say, right? Yeah, Valerie Gray Area Complex. That's my name right now. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're not on one side, and I don't know you that thin space in between. No, I, I have Rebel Wilson to thank for giving me that sure. that new name that I have, uh, Gray Area, Valerie Gray Area Complex. Because she talked about women in the gray area earlier, so I thought that, that was a good name to add to myself. For sure. Uh, to kind of jump back to the um, service thing or whatever, what drove you to go to the Air Force? Um, desperation, really. What? Um, things were just not going right in my life. I was 25 years old and I couldn't find a job and my living situation was bad and it just felt like the only option for me mm-hmm. was to join. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you pick a, a smarter of the branches, uh, as we um, in other branches would say. You know, that's like what we call it, the chair force. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you say when, when you say desperation and everything, like it was almost like a last resort. Uh yeah, you could say that. I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of options. And so it was just difficult for me to navigate. I didn't have, I was working two jobs, but I wasn't making a lot of money. And I was like, well, I only see advantages to joining the Air Force. I don't see any limitations. Um, so I was like, why not? And then, you know, so, then I can yeah, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from, but like when I when I hear the word desperation associated with the Air Forces, is like if you were desperate, you would have wound up in the Army or the Marine Corps or something, <laughs> some of the lower <laughs> tier, or something like that. The Air Force is like where smart people go, whatever people who have a plan to enlist in the service, they usually go straight toward the Air Force or whatever. They don't <laughs> believe it or not. I had. The when I went in the very first time, the I wanted to join the Navy, really. And when I went into the recruiting office, I went into the big recruiting office in Harlem in New York. I walked in there, army wasn't there. Uh makes sense. Marine Corps was talking to somebody else. Also makes sense. The Navy I spoke to them but they didn't want to take me for some odd reason. I forgot why. The Air Force was the one per the recruiter there was just open. That's how I ended up in the Air Force by chance. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm joining the, the Navy because I want to travel and do all this traveling and I want to go to Asia and I want to do all this and I want to learn how to swim and all this stuff. That was my plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like, um, it was meant to be. And you know, 
depending on all the circumstances of how you wound up in the Air Force office, you know, all the rigmarole you had to go through, it was meant to be. That's the way you were supposed to be. That's what it looks like. I spent way longer in the Air Force than I intended. I was like, I'm only going for four years to get that money for school, and I'm out. And then four years came, and I'm like, well, you know, it's all right, I guess. Um, let's see what happens. And then I got hurt. So in total, I was in for seven years before I got medically discharged. Oh, okay. Well, that's good and bad at the same time. I mean, would you pop your knee or something like that? I hurt my back. I fell and hurt my back. And that was it. That seems to be common because, like, my wife was in the military, too. She was in the Army. And she fucked up her, her back, too. I mean, maybe it's just y'all. Y'all, y'all got back problems. <laughs> I, I don't know, like, everybody had back problems, and I just, but my pro, my thing was, like, I fell off of something, and, like, it wasn't, like, people weren't exercising, like, safety precautions, so I think that's why the Air Force felt sorry for me, yeah. um, because it technically wasn't my fault, yeah. and so, well, my wife, got, yeah. my wife got hit by a truck, so. Yikes! <laughs> While in the service, like a service truck hit her. Yeah. <laughs> your your oh ex- your exact reaction is my exact reaction when I first heard it. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> That's like a, a whole truck. Like not a it didn't Mickey or mirror didn't pop you or nothing like that. A whole truck hit you. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, but but uh, she she maintained. She's still walking around. She good. <laughs> I hope she's getting something from them. Uh, yeah, it's a, oh, I, I can get into that, but I mean, she's getting a little something, but it could be way more than what it is. We can, we can go, we can have, you could set aside a whole hour for us to just talk about the VA system and how screwed up it is. Oh. And just like, not just the VA, but, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the grass is not always greener, yeah. you know, and... Um, just, you think that, you think that that everything's going to be all right and you get in and then you find out, wow, military medical system is not great. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you have all of these issues when you get out because they didn't want to take care of them when you were in. Their solution was to give you Motrin and send you on your merry way. Exactly. I mean, you know, you say that it's just like my wife really brought it to my attention when I finally got out because like she's like you were in for 16 years I was with you for what she's she been with me for ha- over half of that and I was like she was like um the whole time you were in I never really recall you getting sick um you going to the hospital for anything no pains or nothing like that you know there were one or two instances but she's like I could vaguely remember anything you get out and everything now your back jacked up your knees jacked up your head your feet all kind of crap wrong with you right and they you know those issues they catch up with you later like i'm realizing like i have stomach problems from all the motrin and ibuprofen that they gave and i have my like my i have nerve damage my foot Mm -hmm. from wearing the bad boots like it like it really is like when you when they say sacrifice, it is a full sacrifice, head to toe, mind, body, and soul sacrifice when you join the military. Yeah, and it, it is a mindset thing too, because like when you in, like you active and you doing the things or whatever, none of that shit really bother you. And it's like in the hindsight of you separating and being away from it is when like fuck, <laughs> I'm really toe up. I didn't know this. Right, right, because you know there's that's there's the adrenaline and and the and the and the, the the mission driving you to get shit done but then when you don't have to adhere to that anymore you just that's when you start to actually like your body like it clicks and you start to actually notice i didn't even know my, so I, there was a point in time to where i dislocated my shoulder and didn't even fucking know it <laughs> wow so i mean i'm playing basketball and do you know coming into me and I put my arms up you know my hands up in front of me and my shoulder jogged back I heard like a little pop or something like that no big deal I was still able to move it around 
but like I think maybe a day or so later, I couldn't raise my arm straight up over my head. And I was like, oh, I never had this feeling before, so I didn't know what the fuck it was. I was like, uh, maybe it'll just work itself out, you know. Just, I'm going to work, lifting shit. I was like, ow, feel a little pain. No big deal. I'm still able to, you know, it's not aggravating or nothing like that. It's just like a little sore, a little tight. And then um, I get out, like I'm saying, years later, it's like, your shoulder is fucked up. She's like, move your arm around. She's like, had a stethoscope by my shit. She's like, I can hear your shit grinding inside your shoulder. Oh! I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yikes. So, yeah, things happen. <laughs> I, your, wife, your wife should really campaign for more yeah, money I'm, because... Yeah, and, and it's just like you were saying, it's, it's, the whole system is jacked up and it's frustrating. And I believe that's what her issue is. She's been dealing with it and fucking fighting around with it for so long that she's just like, fuck it, whatever. I mean... Well, and I think that that's what the system is set up to do, right? Exactly. To wear you down so much to where you don't care. Because to get the benefits and sign up and all that is its own separate full-time job. Exactly. Because, I mean... They make you work for it. If they're going to give you some money, they're going to make you work for it. <laughs> and see, I was thankful because, like, my situation got handled inside before I got out. Exactly. But most people, they, like you, like yourself, who are like, a clean bill of health, and then you get out, and then you realize we have all of these symptoms that are as a result of you being in. That's where it becomes an issue. And what a lot of people don't know, and it, is becoming into the, the, the VA hour or whatever, but um, if there's any active duty or former service members or whatever that may be listening to this right now, you have up into 180 days. You can do it up to 180 days from your EAS to start filing your disability claim and doing your VA claims now. A lot of people don't know that. They usually wait to the last minute or after they get out to try to file their claim, but you have 180 days out that you can start the process. And I right. encourage you to do such. <laughs> because if you do it, let me tell you something, you do it on the outside. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. And then they're going to give you something that you don't like. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, something that, like getting hit by a truck, and then they just give you a little penny ante, whatever. And they're not trying to cover your fees or your medicine or anything. Yeah. Because, like, the thing. That's about- BS. Yeah, the thing about it is, is like when you inside, I mean, you'll get taken care of. It may not be the most ideal of anything, but bottom line, you're going to get taken care of. You're going to get surgery if you need it. They're going to give you the medicines you need. They're going to send you to a specialist if you have to go to it for therapy. They're going to do all that when you're in. When you're out, you know I mean, you got to go through the rigmarole of getting a referral, dealing with PCMs, finding a specialist that's in your area, if it is in your area. Right. If you're dealing with Prime or Select, you can only have a certain people on the list. And if you go on that list, you got to pay out of pocket in some places. It's just a whole fucking rigmarole. Yeah. It's. Were you active duty or were you. uh, I was going to say reserve or guard. Nah, I was active duty Marines. I'm glad I did it before, you know, started the process before I got out because it made it a hell of a lot easier when I actually got out because you can only do the process to file while you're in, but you can only do the appointments after you separate. So that's kind of shit. Okay. So, like, I can file. I can put everything that's wrong with me down on the thing. They'll document it and everything, and they'll submit it up. But from the day, like, September 1st, 2016 was my separation date. The next day is when I started getting scheduled for all my appointments because I was actually separated from the military. So that's how that shit works. And then they send you to a oh, civilian. Cool. They send you to a civilian specialist who works for the VA. So it's like an unbiased opinion of your health. So that's good. And then they order all these tests. And then I think I got out in September. I got my first disability check in December. Why did you get out after 16 years? I was, that's a whole story in itself. Let's get to it. Because, like, that is, like, Close to you 20, know, right? yeah. when you're, like, right, when you're, like, I always, 
am curious to know when I hear people that are like four or five years out. And it's like, it had to be something, something for you to just be like, fuck it. Yeah. I don't need it. Well, I, I, I was talked into joining the military. I'm from a military family. So it was like, I felt like it was one my fate to join. So I joined first four years. Um, I deployed to Iraq when we first invaded them motherfuckers after 9-11. So, you know, being through what I've been through, I felt invincible. And, you know, I kind of fell in love with the military and I stayed for another four years. So after that four years was done, I'd have been around a little bit, went through another deployment. And I was like, fuck it, I'm still here. Let's do another four years. And then around year 12, I was like, this isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends are getting out. A lot of my friends are gone, like from the earth. And, um, the world was just changing around us and in some ways the military was kind of conforming to what was going on on the outside instead of being that strict and disciplined institution that it was mm-hmm. so five years prior I can tell a motherfucker shut up and go do your job five years later I tell a motherfucker shut up and do his job I'm getting charges filed on me and I'm in charge of this motherfucker you know so <laughs> what was your uh your rank I got out as a staff sergeant E6 Okay. But um around so around year twelve I started falling out of love with it. And around year fourteen, I was like, Man, I'm done with this shit. But I held in and I was like, Maybe if I go to another duty station, you know, I'll find that spark and, and you know, I fall back in love again or whatever. So I got to where I was going, Fort Leonardwood, Missouri, and um I got to teach young Marines that were just coming into the military, you know, learning their job and everything. And it kind of got me going, you know, because it was like I remember being in their shoes. And another thing that I enjoyed about that is like the attention and the teaching lessons that I didn't get when I was in in their position. That was my opportunity to give back to them, you know, teach them what was never taught to me. Right. So. After a while, I mean, it was good. I had fun doing that. I, I just love that aspect of it, teaching and talking with these young kids and, you know, getting to know their personalities, seeing all kind of crazy shit. But I still had to deal with a whole bunch of politics, you know, mm-hmm. you know a whole bunch of like, oh, he know him. So he getting looked at for this promotion or he know him and her and they cool. So they get this opportunity. And I was tired of that shit. So we started pulling out of Iraq and Afghanistan around this time and they started sizing down and it was like, well, if there's anybody 15 years or more that want to get out, we'll offer y'all early retirement. And I was like, for real? Ooh. Let me get that shit. (laughs) (laughs) They do the same thing in the Air Force, but now, you know, they do that, you know, how they cycle out every, they do that every so often maybe every five or six years where they're like, well, we're giving people early retirements and then they let out so many people. Mm-hmm. Now they're holding people back who want to get out. Yeah. Like that's what the Air Force is doing now. They're extending, um, they're extending a higher tenure and they're mm-hmm. doing this and doing that to try to keep people because they let so many go yeah. because so many wanted to leave. So, I mean, and they, and, you know, it was a good, it was a, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was, it was a good and a bad thing at the same time. I, I'm not talking about for me and my situation. It was great for me. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I went when I did because you know Trump talking about he was running for president. And I was like, oh, I can uh, I can imagine the deployments under this guy. So I was like, I got to get the fuck right, out. Right, right. <laughs> but um, right. A lot of people were getting forced out. Some oh, that really? some didn't deserve it, but some for sure needed to get the fuck out. And I was kind of <laughs> happy about that in a sense. But I mean, some of it was of their own doing, you know. They got right. the, the height and weight standards or whatever. They got those people that were skirting by because we was in wartime and they were good at their right. job, but they weren't physically fit, you know. So now, right? Or you know, they got the people with the stacks of paperwork who, you know, who they wanted to get out or whatever. You know, every reason that they could find to kick people out, they were, you know, yep. giving them the boot. Yep, they had the motherfuckers that was getting the no shave chits and shit. Oh, you can't shave your face? Get the fuck out. 
Yeah, any any reason. And I think that a lot of that has to do with why the process went so smoothly for me. I was also very close with the higher-ups, so they knew exactly what to write to get me what I needed. But I think that's why the process was so smoothly, because at that time, they were going through a big purge. And they were like, well, she she can't do PT, go. So I was gone. And I didn't give a fuck what anybody was thinking around me. Oh, you just used not to get a PT. Don't care. I'm getting out of the Air Force. You can keep it. So. Now, now with you, um, do you receive any type of disability, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I get, um, yeah, I get disability from the VA. I get a pension. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Exactly. So Cause um, I really hope that we'll have it next year because who knows if this Government is up to. Yeah. Happen. And what another tidbit of wisdom I like to pass to any veterans or um, active service members that may be listening: if they offer you a severance, don't Don't take it. Don't take that shit. Don't take this. Do not take it because that's what it is. It's just like here's this money and get the fuck on. You know. What people don't There's nothing attached to that money. Yeah. Like you don't get any benefits or anything. Once yeah. that money's gone, that's it. Goodbye. Yeah. What people don't realize is like, all right, let's just say, all right, you break your leg, you know, it's enabling you to um, you know, stay in and work and whatnot, and they you they're gonna medically separate you. They offer you a severance. You know, it ends with that severance. They give you thirteen thousand dollars, that's all you get. You don't get any um hospital benefits you don't get any insurance from that you just get thirteen thousand dollars and another thing is if you get out for that broken leg you get the, you take the severance you get the um, thirteen thousand dollars you can still file a va claim for your leg but since you took the thirteen thousand dollars whatever money that you was going to get from that va claim for that disability rating is going back to pay that thirteen thousand dollars that they gave you yeah <laughs> that's what i thought yeah, they're going to recoup that money. Yeah, so once that $13,000 is paid off, then you can start getting your monthly disability benefits. But until $13,000 is recouped, you ain't getting no money. And that's fucked up. And what's also fucked up about it is just like, people know this, but they don't say shit. Hey, just a quick reminder, if you go to studio.com, you can still get that 15% off your headphones order if you use the promo code ROB15. Now remember, 15% off an already affordable product. Promo code ROB15 at studio.com. Use it. You know. No, you have to ask them. It's like um, when you go to the restaurant and it's like, how come we don't get no water? Well, you got to ask for water. If they don't, if you don't ask, then they're not going to give it to you. Like places like when I lived in California, they did that because they were in a drought or whatever. So it was like, if you didn't ask them, you didn't get it. You have to ask them. But it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Right? So if you don't know that, then, and they're not going to tell you. It's just so many, that was, that was the other thing about the military. Like it opened up my mind to so many fallacies and so many broken things about this system and about this democracy. I was, you know, I didn't join the military because I was patriotic. I joined for a reason. I joined to get out of a bad situation. Mm -hmm. But it was so like, I wasn't like, you know, all the, uh, you know, fuck the police or anything like that. I was never, I was always in pretty indifferent to whatever the government was doing. I was like, ah, they're the politicians, I'm not, whatever. But it wasn't until I got in the military that I was like, oh my God, fuck the police. Like, everybody's lying. And that's when I started really being like, this is, everything is corrupt and the lies. And because I, I, would hear them. I was a part of stuff that I knew were, you know, false. And it was just really, it was just really interesting uh, how the military sort of opened up my eyes to that. Um, You know, as the opposite, some people get in there, they find respect for their country and things like that. And it's not like, I don't respect certain aspects of the country, 
um, or that I knock people's hustles for joining. But I try to be a little bit more open-minded because, you know, there's a lot of people who, who are out there that are like, fuck the military. Anybody who joins is brainwashed and this, that, and the third. And it's like, hold up. You don't even know people's situation. Half, everybody I met in there, I work with mostly black folks yeah. for the most part. And I don't remember meeting one of them that was like, yeah, I joined Surf My Country after 9-11. That was all, all the white folks who wanted to do that. <laughs> like, because if you think, just because you think I'm brainwashed, if it's between you and what you think and me trying to eat, I'm going to do what I got to do to eat. Or people are going to do what they got to do to try to feed their family. Yeah. You don't give a shit about what you think. Exactly. So I think that that was like a, another big thing that I learned. I learned to appreciate, um, you know, the reasons why I, our service members or people who chose to join the service, why they join. Yeah. And another thing, I did, you know, besides the system or whatever, it's the people, too. Because, like, there's people in places that's supposed to, their, their sole job is to take care of you and, you know, the things around you or whatever. Right. But they fail to do that. And there's a couple types of people in there in those leadership positions. There's the ones that look out for you, like, all right, you come in a couple minutes late, then, you know, they sweeping under the rug. No big deal. No no harm, right. no foul. Then they got the ones that, damn, take care of you in other ways to where they'll hold you accountable for your mistakes and tell you why and show you why you shouldn't be late. And, you know, go a step further than just sweeping it under the rug because, like, if you keep sweeping it under the rug, you're just going to be that type of person to that person. You, you know what I'm saying? So, like, all right, yeah, yeah. you got me. I can be late. I can come in 20 minutes late or whatever the case may be. He got my back. But if nobody holding you to a standard, you know, trying to teach you something to better yourself, I mean, they're doing you a disservice. And, like, you go in there, you got to, like, I look, I wasn't always on time. But I went in there, and I stayed late, and I would bust my ass. And I got out of it, and that. I don't know how. I think I was just lucky. I I am not one of those people that can say that has had a bad time in the military. I experienced sexual harassment, yes. But I, I really served under good leaders, and I had good mentors, and the military helped open my line, like, open up my, the way I communicated with people. So I made connections with higher-ups that when I did get in trouble, yeah. I was able to get out of trouble mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, and like, you know, there are a lot of advantages to the military and a lot of things that I learned and I like the structure and, and, and things like that. So, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages to everything. Yeah. So, so here, here's the fun part. All right. You, just talked about the you know the structure and the discipline and you know how things can are great when they're run properly in the right way. Right. How much of a culture shock was it for you when you got out and was introduced back into the civilian life? Um, it was very different. Um, I was telling myself that I wasn't going to be one of those people who experienced that because I was from New York and I grew up in in the ghetto and whatever. But no, it was very different. I was. I was away from New York for 10 years because after I got out the military, I moved to California, a place that I had never been, a place I had no family. And I had just moved to California and it was like, what the hell am I going to do now? (laughs) So it was like, uh, it was like a double whammy of culture shock because it was like, not only am I out the military, I'm now in a place that I don't know. And I have to figure everything out on my own. I have to figure out how to navigate this by myself. And I just got out of the military. What was I thinking? <laughs> so um, it was it was it was a huge culture shock because I had just moved to a new place I wasn't familiar with. So uh, you know, and learning that things do not move at the same pace in California and. Finding a job would be difficult because they move a lot slower and just crazy things like that sort of, you know, woke me up to like, okay, this is what it's like. 
to rejoin the world because I had to find enough. You know, I had to really, really, I was really on my own. Not finding an apartment with the assistance of, of housing on base or anything like that. I had to do that shit by myself. So, and I made it work for two years until I ran out of money. And then I moved back to New York. And New York was a completely different place by the time I got back. All the places I used to hang out were closed. Um, You know, jobs not being available. You know, my friends, all of them having children. Nobody, Nobody has time to hang out. I have to go to the VA. Now I have to wait for appointments forever. Like, you know, it was just, sometimes I feel like I'm still reacclimating. I've only been out for like four years, mm-hmm. um, which I guess to some people is a lot of time. But I don't know. Part of me is still trying to readjust to this, trying to readjust to civilian life. And I feel, sometimes I feel especially bad for these colonels and these Cap these these colonels and these these lieutenant general people who get out and have to re um have to reintegrate into society at the bottom with everybody else. Yeah, but um, I, I've known a lot of those guys though to kind of wiggle their way into a damn right <laughs> a, a cushy government job right after. Right. but there's some right. of them that'll be like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go home and. Do stuff. <laughs> I'm just do some work around the house. Cause I, when I first got out, of, like I was unemployed for the first eight months of me getting out, and I was just like, it was by design. And at the same time, I was just like, man, this is cool. The first month went by. I was like, man, it was it was, more, it was more like being on leave than anything in the beginning. And then um, after a while, I was just like, I, I'm waking up with the kids, taking them to school. I'm cooking the dinner. The wife's going to work, and I'm staying home. And I'm like, this feels icky. <laughs> and I need to go do something. I got bored after a while. And so I was, what I was doing was I was spending my money going to conventions. Like, because California got a convention for everything. Like, you know how some places, you know, like there's a, con season and like con season will open up in March and they'll have a con from March to lock to like October but California there is a con every month every single month of the year is a convention and a big one in California and we broke because I was like I'm going to enjoy because I didn't have a really great childhood and so I was like I'm going to enjoy my life out here like I'm a child so I was going to Disney World and I was uh Disneyland not Disney World I was going to Disneyland I was going to Comic Con I was going to Anime Con and all of this stuff and went broke by the time by July 2016 I had tapped officially tapped out on money and I had to make the decision to go home because I was broke. I had nothing. I had spent all my money on traveling and hotels, going to cons, treating myself. And I couldn't live on it anymore. In addition to, like, my VA counselor had got fired. Nobody called me and told me that they had been fired. So I'm trying to get in contact with my counselor. Nobody's picking up the phone. My car had got repossessed by them because I couldn't pay the bill. Like, it was just like a whole, like, spiral of problems that had gotten so out of control I couldn't contain it anymore. So I moved back to New York with my sister because I um, I couldn't afford to, to, to live in um, California anymore. So that's my story. Man, is I, I get the damn like having the fun and partying and everything, but like did going to all those cons and everything kind of lead into what the things that you're doing now? Yes, California was a really I would say California was a very expensive stepping stone. 
um, because I was able to make some really great connections that sort of got me to where I am now. And I was able to produce some great work. Uh, but it was a, it was a very expensive venture. Um, and if I had to do it all again, I would have left California a lot earlier. Um, because when I got back to New York, I made a lot more money and faster. So, yeah, you live and you learn. Yeah, I mean, and then you had to go through what you went through to get to where you are and all that stuff. People say. Yeah. (laughs) But it still sucks. Yeah. But I had to go through that because the experience sucked. So. Getting into what you do now, you, you um, a film critic, uh, you you writing scripts and whatnot, screenplays and everything. How's that going for you? Because I mean, uh, yeah, from you know me on the outside looking in, not knowing too much about you, I I, I can say you're doing good. But I mean, who who am I to know? <laughs> I am. I think that's great, and I think social media can really give off the side that people are doing well. And it's not that I'm not doing. Well, I'm just not doing as good as I could be doing. And a lot of that was for lack of trying. Um, I just, I gotten into a super creative slump recently and I wasn't producing any work and I was in denial about that. And I was like, why am I not getting the visibility and the notoriety that I deserve? And I was like, oh, okay, dumb bitch, you're not doing nothing. Oh, okay, that's what I was like, oh, okay, you're not doing anything. And so I had just moved out of my sister's house, and I am now starting to clean up my, you know, I'm cleaning up my room and trying to get my little office corner in order. Um. Hold on. Yeah, no problem. I just received a letter and um Oh, I think this is old. Sorry, I just got a letter from the, I'm just looking at a letter from the VA. And it says the letter says we are not able to produce we are not able to process your employment adjustment allowance at this time. This is from last month. And I know I already spoke to them and we already worked it out. Never mind. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the show to read nonsense. Um <laughs> I had to, yeah, I just had to open up that letter because I knew it meant money, but I've already taken care of that. So, um, what, uh, what happened was that, um, I was just depressed and I had got, I got laid off this summer from a really good job and I was like in the slumps. And I really internalized that and it sat with me for way too long. And I wasn't writing any reviews. I wasn't producing any work. I was just caught up in the Twitter system and not producing anything. And I was like, this is not good. So I just recently snapped out of it. And now I'm going to start writing again. I'm cleaning up my room and and things are looking, you know, because I have roommates. So, uh, clean up my room and just getting my shit together um so because i can't really work with a lot of clutter yeah um so you know i'm getting that together and i can finally get to work my email box you know my business email box has a thousand unread emails because i just wasn't doing anything and so you know now i'm getting back into the swing of things and just catching up and I feel like now is really a good time to do so because it's the holidays. So a lot of people are, I'm not going to be getting as much news. I'm not going to be getting as many things because people are going on vacation. Offices are empty. And that way, when the new year, you know, after the new year, I can really go full swing. So that's it, really. Listen to you talk about your military experience, getting in there, getting out, and where you are now is just like a roller coaster, man. It's like you up, and then you down, then you up, and then you down, then you up. It's crazy. Yeah, it goes, it comes and goes. 
and crazy ways. And yeah, it's, I'm still adjusting to adult life, I feel like. Yeah, I, I, I get you. I get you. I mean, it, it's a process because, like, even, like, with me, you know, I, I've said it before, it's just, like, getting out is kind of rediscovering myself. It, was, it wasn't so much of, you know, being an adult thing, you know, trying to, like, how you were. You know, you never really had a lot of things, so it's, like, you reconnecting and catching up on things that you didn't have the opportunity to do before in the past you know i've done a lot of things in the past you know i I guess i was kind of fortunate or whatever but also at the same time i had a young family you know i got a kid that's uh that'll be 18 in january i got another one that'll be 16 next month and then i got a little eight-year-old so i i had kids since i've been out of high school and everything Mm -hmm. so i've been forced to be that adult for a long ass time and being in the military for so long you know, being a disciplinarian and, you know, with the structure, like how you were talking about before, that's all I knew. You know, I barely, if you go in my closet down there, I barely have any civilian clothes because for the past 16 years, all I did was wear the same shit every day, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So, and then, you know, now I get out, I'm doing a security job now where I wear the same shit every day, but I mean, it's, nothing's really changed. But, you know, getting out in that time that I was off and I wasn't working in the wasn't doing anything and just like, huh. Well, I don't have to get up early. Um, shit, what am I going to do? And that's kind of like the genesis of the podcast, you know. I was like, well, I wonder what this person was doing and what they're thinking. And I called them and I talked to them. And we would sit down and chat and rap or whatever. And that's where it is. And, you know, here it is in January. Three years I've been doing this podcast, and it's kind of like how you were saying with your with your writing stuff and everything. It's like I can be on it and I'll be like, "Yeah, let's do a motherfucking podcast." I got the equipment and I'm set up. I'm ready to do this shit. Feel the adrenaline. I'm fucking sweating. I'm hot in this motherfucker, and it's like cold as shit in here. I don't know why I'm sweating. I'm just trying to figure shit out. And then after the podcast is done, and then I don't have any guests lined up, and I'm like, "Fuck." Why am I doing this? Why am I sitting here talking with these people? This bullshit. You know, I get into the lulls and junk of the show. And then as soon as the microphone get in front of my face and I hit the record button, I'm all back on it again. Oh, shit, we back. We podcasting. Let's do some more shit. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on with me. Right, right. Um, what made you want to start the podcast? Uh, originally, I wanted to write a book about, um, you know, some of the experiences I had in the military. And um, I quickly realized that my brain and fingers don't work that way to write shit down. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, so I was like, well, fuck it. I can just sit in front of a microphone and tell these stories, and then I can get some of my military friends, and they can tell their stories, and we can do it that way. And then um, shortly after starting a podcast, I wind up getting out of the military so I don't have the access to all those people that I had before. So I just started reaching out to people I know, other podcasters and everything, and just been doing it that way ever since. So, yeah, I, I still haven't wrote that book, but I, I'm content with having my stories in audio form for however long. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad that you got the podcast and hopefully you can get some sponsors and start making some cash, man. Yeah, I mean, I got some sponsors now. It was more of a product deal or whatever rather than cash. I would rather cash, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, it's like I can take the stuff that I get product-wise and be like, I can sell this shit. Maybe <laughs> some cash that way, but that, that'll, be, that'll be rude and wrong. Uh, sponsored by Hooks, Ropes, and Spices. If you go to Etsy.com <laughs> and uh, type in uh, promo code 3RSHOW, you get 10% off your order, $6 or more, when you order some Hooks, Ropes, and Spices. <laughs> like, wait, were you doing that for real? Or, like, yeah. I wasn't sure, so I was trying to be quiet. Yeah. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I'm for real. Yeah, Hooks, Ropes, and Spices is a sponsor of the Random Rounds with Rob. Also, 
studio headphones if you go to studio.com you can get 15 percent off your order if you use promo code rob 15 so there you go boom sponsors i think i'm about to do that i've been looking for some headphones so i think i'm about to do that too oh yeah studio is where it's at now i like it is it i'm not yeah i'm seriously i'm not gonna sit here and blow smoke up your ass because they're sponsored (laughs) that's that's not something i do and you know, frankly, I wouldn't be fucking with them trying to get headphones from them if they had some garbage ass <laughs> shit. Right. So yeah, right. I mean, I got um a pair. If whenever you go to the website, if you have time, studio.com. That's S U D I O, like the song Su Su Studio. That one. And um, you go there, and they got a two pair of over the head uh earphones. One is called the Regent. That's the pair that I have. But they just came out with another pair. I forget the name of them. It's um, the Claire or something like that. K-L-A-R. Some, some shit like that. Brand new set of headphones that just came out. And them shits look fly as fuck. And I want some. And I already talked to the people at studio about getting me a pair to, you know, rep that shit. And it was like. Right, right. And it was like, well, these just came out and the holidays coming up. And I was like, you motherfucker. All right, I got you. When you get. When this holiday shit over, I expect to get a pair of these motherfucking headphones. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I you know I I go onto a lot of podcasts and I usually talk about you know film and, and television and, and things like that. A lot of people want to hear about uh, my initiatives. But I've taken on a sort of sort of banner of diversity and inclusion and entertainment, uh, specifically film and television, mostly film. But it was refreshing and fun to talk about something different. I don't often talk about my military service. The only time you hear me talk about it is usually Memorial and Veterans Day. So, um, right. (laughs) You know, so it was refreshing to talk about that and my sort of journey and how I got here. So thank you for inviting me on. This was really fun. And you're somebody who I think I can learn from. Hear that, but I appreciate hearing it today. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and I, I, I would love to come on again and rant about something else. Sweet. I mean, the door is always open for you to come back and do so. Whether it's to plug your writings or your future ventures, that's what this is for. I mean, this is my show in the sense that I pay the monthly bill, I edit and put out the episodes. But this show is for you. It's for you to come here. And talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Get shit off your chest. Um, you know, make people relevant to products like studio.com and hooks, rubs, and spices. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is your show. You know, anytime you want to come, just let me know. Fantastic. Awesome. I, I got to go right now because I, if I don't start cleaning my room, it won't get done. Yeah. But I definitely want to come back again. No problem. And before you and go, I made sure to where am I from? Oh well, no, no, I know where you're from. From New York, New York, Harlem. Yeah, Harlem. yeah, Harlem. Yeah. But I was saying before you go, you know, plug your social media things and uh, your work. Oh, of like, course, uh, Valerie Complex. I'm on Twitter at Valerie Complex. V a l e r i e c o m p l e x, and I'm on Instagram at Valerie underscore Complex. That's where you can find me. <laughs> and that was my guest, Valerie Complex, a uh, veteran, a uh, critic, writer, a uh, dreamer, like mostly all of us and everything, and a cool person. Um, follow her on Twitter at Valerie Complex. And if you Google her, it should be a picture of her in a nice big sun hat with her glasses on and everything. And it'll bring you to a link. That says the nerds of color.org. And you can see some of her writings and everything along with a bunch of other talented writers and artists and whatnot. So, yeah, check her out. Um, it was cool to sit down and talk with man, get to reminisce and talk about the fucked up uh, healthcare system that veterans have. I mean, it's something, but it could be a lot better than what it is. I, you know, Upon listening to this episode, you just kind of replaying it back. You know, I, I felt like I should have released this on Veterans Day, you know, because last Sunday 
was a Veterans Day, not the, uh, it was the Veterans Day, but it wasn't, uh, Monday was the observance of it, but anyway, yeah, we had so much military talk and all that stuff, I felt like this should have been a Veterans Day episode, but, you know, I got bogged down, I already had the other episode already uh, cut up and edited with Miss Amy Lyle, you should go back and listen to that if you hadn't heard it already, but if you are um, reaching the end of your military career, Man, just um, make sure you got your bases covered. Report everything to your um, VA clinic appointments and everything. Like if you got a hangnail that bother you for whatever reason, because that motherfucker scraping inside of your socks and tugging at your toe and all that. Report all that shit, you know, because, you know, all that shit is on file. All that shit could get you some help and um, some money later on down the road. But um, yeah, man ask questions don't just be content with what they give you because it'll wind up fucking you in the long run and um i hope you got a lot of that info from this conversation but uh also in other news last night november 17th 2018 will go down in infamy is as uh the first ever h-town podfest it was a whole bunch of local Houston podcasters. We came together. We swarmed on the Bar Bohemia and uh, we consumed alcoholic beverages in a dish that I have come to know as Vietnamese French fries. <laughs> it was a big ass tray full of fucking French fries with all kinds of manner of sauces and uh, spices on top, not hooks, rubs, and spices, which you can get 10% off your order if you go to Etsy.com and use the promo code 3RSHOW upon checkout on order $6 or more. But um, yeah, man, it was a great time. I got to meet, I got to actually meet in person some of the guests that I've had on this show, like Walker the Geek and the guys from the No Redeeming Quality podcast and the girls from the Houstonish podcast. And I got to see the Colt 45 podcast who i was a guest on their show after two years of uh not hearing from these motherfuckers <laughs> you know I, I ribbed them last night I, I dug i dug in on them about that last night in person um i got a cool scarf and the scarf got all my buttons that i got from other podcasters there at the festival and everything and what was so great about it is not only that I got to meet my fellow Houston podcasters in persons and talk and, you know, exchange our experiences and all that cool stuff. Listeners showed up like actual listeners of podcasts and specific podcasts that were represented that night there at the Houston Podfest. So out of all the things that happened last night, the great times we had, I think that was the best part for me to know that. There are people out there that listen to podcasts that just want to hang out with the podcasters or find out more about different podcasts outside of their little bubble. And um, yeah, man, it was great. Uh, you know, I hope the relationship with other Houston podcasters uh, become stronger because of this thing. You know, we able to pull in more people and maybe even make it a yearly thing or bi-yearly or however or whatever. I mean, it, it was a good time. I mean, we didn't all come there to like with equipment and podcast and everything. We just came together and talked with each other and, you know, set up guest spots on each other's shows for later on down the road and exchange business cards and buttons and stickers and pins. I got a fucking scarf. <laughs> I'm excited about this shit. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was a good time. Shout outs to the Murder City podcast for kind of wrangling all the cats together and making the event, you know, a reality. You know, if you heard this show for however long since I've been here in Houston, almost two years, I've been talking about, you know, the lack of, you know, communication with other Houston podcasts. I've been screaming at the top of my lungs. I made the hashtag H-Town Pods and I was the only motherfucker using it. Now we got some other people under the podcast moniker of H-Town Pods. Slightly using the <laughs> hashtag. And, um, you know, when I found all these people, we got together and I was just like, why don't we make an event? Why don't we all get together and do a thing? And um, like I said, the Murder City podcast, they took what I wanted to do since moving here to Houston and they ran with it and they made it, you know, come together. So 
I'm very appreciative of the Murder City podcast, both of those individuals. I'm, I'm appreciative of everybody that came hang out last night, the guests, uh, well, the listeners and the podcasters themselves. Um, I appreciate the bar staff at the Bar Bohemian for uh, letting us come in there and throw all our shit all over the floor, leave French fry trays all over the place and everything. I'm sorry. I left a tip, so that should atone for a lot of my sins and everything. <laughs> and um, the Raw cast um, is a newer podcast here in Houston. I found them on Instagram. I invited them to the event, and um, we actually sat down when, when everything was winding down and closing up. We all sat down and did a podcast together. The Raw cast, the Colt 45 podcast, myself, um, the Rebel Radio podcast and uh, uh, the Houstonish podcast kind of chimed in for a little bit. They didn't know we was podcast. I thought we was just in that type of bullshitting. Um, and we had a cameo by a couple of other interesting characters that just happened to be wandering around during the recording. So uh, whenever that episode is out, I'll m- make sure to plug it because, I mean, that's introducing you to a whole slew of Houston podcasters, you know. So, yeah. Great. Monumental. Awesome. Great times. And I got Whataburger after at one in the morning. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Got some prep I need to do. Um, I got another episode of Wrestling is Trash uh, coming out here pretty soon. I did a watch along with um, former guests of this show, Jay Sandlin, who is also an avid wrestling fan and somewhat of a historian. So we freaking it was a prototype show. Never done before. Um, so forgive it for its roughness <laughs> and unprofessionalness. We was just bullshitting about um, wrestling. Uh, I, the show that we watched was uh, 1992 War Games or Russell War. I think it was, yeah, it was War Games or whatever. I forget what show it is. I say it in the record. You'll hear it. But um, we watched it. And uh, we did our own commentary on the thing. So if you want to hear an interesting take, I take on the um, event with our commentary, just uh, pull it up on the WWE app when the episode comes out and um, play the commentary along with the show. Anyway, like I said, I'm supposed to be wrapping this shit up. Wrestle, wrestling is trash. Um, if you want to follow them on Twitter, me, I'm saying the royal them or we, <laughs> you can do that at wrestling B trash or you can go to wrestling is trash.com and find all the shows there you can follow me on twitter at it's b rob that's i-t-s-b-r-o-b if you want to talk professional wrestling like i was just talking about or any other general shenanigans that's the place you do it um the show also has its own twitter account which you can follow at three r show and if you're hip and trendy you should also be following at three r show two that's t-o-o follow me on instagram to where you can find me Roaming the hollowed halls of Walmart and getting into any other shenanigans I can't. And you can go to randomrobcast.com to where you can find many different ways to help support the show and help it grow. You can um, get merchandise from my merchandise store on wehavemerch.com, which you can find the links on randomrobcast.com. You can uh, use my Amazon links, get you a 30 day free trial of Amazon Prime. And you can become a patron just like Brandon McIntyre, Glenn Abbott, Bob Hines, King Ajar, Robert Cook, and now Nick Lubbs. Let me tell you about Nick. Nick messaged me a couple months back and he told me he was on a trip to Vegas from where he live and he was binge listening to every single show of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast from episode one all the way up to current. He messaged me a day ago, yesterday, on the day of the Houston Podfest, and told me that he is complete. He has listened to what is now, not this one, because this one is coming out <laughs> right now as I record, but he has listened to all 140, what I think is 45 episodes. And he's current, he's caught up. No, this is this episode here is 146. So he's not caught up until you listen to this one. So, Nick, I hope you're listening. So you be caught up. <laughs> but he's listened from episode one all the way up until now. And that just fucking blows my mind. And at the end of it all, he became a patron to the show to, you know, contribute to it. And he bought a hat and he bought a shirt 
which makes my heart so happy, so so light and fluffy, like nougat in a Three Musketeers bar. <laughs> but uh, big shout outs to you, Nick. I appreciate what you're doing, man. And I wish I had a thousand more like you. But since I don't, you is the one. I'm just glad to have any of this, man. Just any retweets, any likes I get from the show, any reviews that I may have from iTunes or whatever. I, I just appreciate whatever I get, man. And um, on the same vein as that, you don't even have to be a patron. You don't have to buy any merch. You don't have to use Amazon links. You don't have to do none of the shit. The most important thing that you can do for this show and any other show that you listen to is like, subscribe, retweet tags and things that you um quotables from my show freaking reviews write a review five stars are preferred but if you do anything four stars and below give us that feedback we need that so we can grow professionally or non-professionally whatever <laughs> but we need that so um that's it um thank you for everybody that attended the houston podcast fest um, hopefully some of the people that I met that night are listening to me now and hearing me tell you, thank you. I appreciate all of you. And, um, I'll see you next time.